and welcome to the Soberistas podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to Gentle Giant, who is a member of Soberistas, and we're discussing the issue of relapse and what we can learn from it. So, Gentle Giant, first of all, thank you for joining us on the Soberistas podcast. You're very welcome. Glad to be here. Um, we really value our Soberistas participation in these podcasts because it's so helpful for people to um, listen to real life experience on all of the issues around sobriety and alcohol um and and it brings it to life i think more in the podcast just reading about it on the blogs really grateful to you for taking part in this one and it's an important subject relapse comes up a lot on soberistas the issue of the little creeping voice that we might be able to learn to moderate now that we've been sober for however long and and now we might have a a chance of drinking in a more normal way in inverted commas so first of all what what's your sort of experience of of relapse and trying to moderate and then yeah how did that affect you yeah i think if i was going to describe myself i'd say i was probably the king of relapse because i've done it so many times and i think there is a sort of perception in your mind that things might be a little bit different especially when you got a lot of distance between the last drink you know, you think that having had six months off, you'll be you'd be fine this time, or sometimes even longer. I mean, I've had a year off before and gone back to it. And I think it's because for some of us anyway, I speak for myself in particular, um, I, I won't be told something. I've got to learn the hard way. And for me, it was I wanted to really tear the pants off moderation. I wanted to really get underneath it and understand whether it was possible for me, because quite frankly, for a lot of times, I didn't really want to stop drinking. I knew it wasn't good for me and um, wasn't a positive thing for me, but I couldn't quite let it go. And, um, you know, it takes a, it took a lot of experimentation for me to kind of um, understand that, you know, abstinence was my, my path forward. Um, but also I found that, you know, in the time sometimes when I, when I would relapse, it, it wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't think it'd be planned. It would just kind of creep up on me and it would just, you know, I'd find myself drinking again and then think, oh, well, I'll stop again tomorrow and then find that, you know, it wasn't as quite as simple as that because what I was finding is as time went on, every time I did have a relapse, it was much, much harder to stop again. Um, so you're caught in this sort of vicious cycle of, and, and that's really just an extension of that whole vicious cycle of being on the hamster wheel where you kind of like, never got to get off it, but not quite knowing how you're going to get off it, how you're going to cope with life without it. Um, but, but for me, all those relapses did kind of creep up everywhere. Although I think subconsciously you do kind of plan ahead. Yeah. And did you notice that was a time scale that in terms of when it would creep in? I mean, did you experience kind of a common pattern of the first couple of months you'd be you'd be sort of enjoying sobriety and it was easy. And then at some point it, those thoughts would creep in. What was the time that generally that those thoughts started? Well, I think those the thoughts are, were always there. I mean, there's I still get it now. I mean, I'm. I haven't had a drink for a while, but I still get the occasional thought creeping in. It might be a nice idea to have a glass of wine in the sun. Um, but I kind of stop myself developing that into an action because I know where that will lead. But I think um, for me, it's the, the constant thinking in the subconscious about how it'd be nice to have another drink. And then almost like you start planning it in your mind about what that drink might be. And... Over time, I find that, you know, over a period of maybe three or four weeks, I'll be developing a thought in my head, which eventually will just lead itself to a position where I'm comfortable with having that drink. 
you know, I thought, well, I'm okay now. I've thought about it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just try it. And each time I've relapsed, I've always been doing it on the basis that it won't be the same as before. I will be able to contain it this time, or if it's not going so well, I'll jump back on the sober bus. You know, there's always that perception that things are going to be different because I've stopped for a while. So I've changed my internal position on this, you know. So there is a common human tendency, and I think it's kind of, it manifests itself probably most dramatically with addictions of all sorts, but that we forget that kind of fade effect bias where we just forget that things were that bad. And we can very easily, as you just described it there, over a period of time, talk ourselves into, it's okay now. When four weeks ago, it really wasn't okay, or six months ago, it really yeah. wasn't okay. But we managed to convince ourselves over and over and over again, for lots of us, that this time it will be okay. Yeah, and, and for, for me, it really was over and over again. I tried it many, many times. Um, and I think, I think the thing that kind of killed it for me in the end was that the last couple of times it just got a lot lot harder to once i picked up a drink well it was very very fast to degenerate back to old habits and then it was much much harder to get back on the sobriety train really um and it quite frightened me last time because it really really was hard for me to stop again um you know i had to throw an awful lot of time out and money at stopping this time around and um that for me is what's keeping me going it's just that memory Yes, I still get the thoughts, but I've also got that memory of what it was like back in February when I, you know, was last drinking. Um, and I just do not want to go back there. It's just the negative stuff. I just keep trying to play that video forward, you know, about what it will be like. And what is the time, effort and money spent on? Like, what are you doing with that time, effort and money that makes your, that puts you in a different headspace, that changes your mindset from somebody who thinks it might be okay to moderate to somebody who accepts they can't moderate? Well, I think um, the problem I had was that you get this, I had a very, very strong cognitive dissonance in my head between wanting to not drink because I knew it was really negative for me but also to drink because actually I was drinking for a reason it changed the way that I felt about life and I were worried about living life without a drink as a crutch you know there was that tension internal tension um but for me the thing that 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 led me to to reach a point of in my mind where I knew I had to do something drastic was that I didn't want that cognitive distance anymore I actually wanted to stop but couldn't so I had to find a different way. I had to, I knew I had to find that mindset shift. And I also knew I wasn't going to be able to do it alone because I'd spent a few weeks trying to crack it on my own. And so in the end, I just, I had to reach out for a little bit of help to take me over the line. And I just needed my hand held for a few weeks. Um, and what I did is I sort of did a sort of online rehab course where we did um, meetings every day, meetings. And for me, that just got me through the six week, first six weeks that I needed to get that clarity of mind. Um, and for a lot of people, they won't need to do anything as intensive as that. You know, if your mindset is such that you're ready to take that shift and you really want to throw everything at it, you've got to do it on a daily basis because this has to be almost like an obsession to stop drinking, to, to keep it sustained. But you just got to find a way to do it. And, and I found as well that getting those first six weeks under my belt made things a whole lot easier. You know, having six weeks of not drinking behind you, it's much easier to push on. 
and and I think that's the the tragedy. I think this this kind of addiction addiction thing is that you know we can be caught two here and there, and then we go right back to the start again, and you're on this terrible cycle of week here, two weeks there, and then you start again, and you re repeating those first few two weeks again and again and again, and it's really hard. So um, we have to put ourselves then in a place where we're being influenced or sort of having that that message that or or belief that alcohol is in some way beneficial. We have to put ourselves in a place where that's being challenged on a daily basis for long enough to get that traction, that first period yeah. of sobriety. Because that because I think for me as well, I was caught in bad habits. I was drinking at home. You know, I couldn't be in, I couldn't take myself out of the home because I've got responsibilities here. So I couldn't sort of pack myself off into, you know, another place to get myself sober. I had to do it in my home. And I had to find a way of changing that sort of evening habit of cracking open the wine. Um and so for me, I had to choose a, a sort of program where every evening where it would be my sort of witching hour. I'd be doing something sobriety related. I'd be doing something about not drinking. And for me, that was get onto a Zoom call with other people. And that's the thing for me is that I find that connecting with other people on the same sort of path is really powerful. There's just, I get an extra strength from being around other people in the same boat that I don't get when I'm doing it on my own. And that's why, you know, things like the Soberista site is really good because you're connecting on a daily basis with other people. It's quite involved as well. I know you've got things like the 100 day thread, so you can do something that's really intensive. And um, there are other people I've noticed that are doing regular Zoom calls. Just throwing yourself into all of that stuff on a daily basis is what you need to kind of get you over that line. But for me, it's like I really think that six weeks, getting that six weeks is really, really key to getting yourself in a good place to push on from. That's what I yeah. find. Yeah, I think so. Six weeks is it's a good sort of length of time, isn't it, to, yeah. to really kind of get it out of your system and start living life without that yeah. crutch and getting used to it. So what about if somebody's been sober for a longer period of time and they fall into that trap of thinking the length of time, whether it's a year or or two years or whatever, is long enough to rewire their thinking, to learn how to moderate? Is that something you think is... I mean, is it a common pitfall you see on soberistas, for instance? Well, it's it's certainly been a pitfall for some folks. I know that, you know, I fell off the wagon after a year. And for a few weeks, it was okay, actually. I was managing to kind of moderate a little bit. Um, but it wasn't too long before I was back into the, the sort of old sort of levels of consumption. And from talking to other people I've met in the sort of real world who've been down the same boat, they found even after a few years of sobriety, they go back onto it, and it's almost like your brain remembers where you where you stopped and picks it up very quickly. So, so I, I don't know what's going on. I'm not a scientist. But I just think my my brain chemistry has been wired to you know be addicted to alcohol. So it's just waiting for for those connections to be remade if I put a drink in my mouth. So, um, but yeah, but I found that. Even though I'd had a year, yeah, I was pretty quickly back into the negative cycles again. And, and yeah, that seems to be a consistent thing that I've heard from other people as well. So, I, I mean, my take on it, I think, is, is that we should, it's helpful if we can put a, take a leap of faith, I suppose, and listen to people who've experienced it and, and believe them and not fall into that trap that maybe we're different in some way. Yeah. Because generally that, that rule, that that experience that pattern it plays out across the board doesn't it and certainly the people I speak to like you said before if you stopped 
and then you start again if you start again it's much harder to stop than it was the first time you stopped it's yeah because very you've much. Lost a bit of that self-belief you've you can it can take you know some people months or years even to to get to a place where they can stop yeah yeah it can it's really really hard to get back onto it because in a way you've exhausted an avenue because you you tried a sun a tested you tried to tested a route that's got you sober for a while and if you're starting drinking again and you're back into that sort of negative spiral you're then thinking well what can i do because i tried drinking and i'm drinking again you know what method can i try this time that's going to make it stick so some people find themselves in a cycle and are struggling to get off it but I also there's a friend of mine who's been sober for many many years um and and he's seen lots of people go on and off the wagon and he said to me you know not one of them has ever come come back into you know treatment center or kind of rehab or whatever but any place where they've got sober again and said they had a great time they never went back on the drink and said you know what i tried it again and it was wonderful um my life was great and um, fulfilled and you know all of them have come back saying it was terrible and they want to get back into a position of sobriety so um, i think for those of us in this boat we kind of we need to get that acceptance that for us you know like they say that cliche you know one drinks too many and a thousand's not enough you know it's 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 true it's just once your brain's wired for it you can't unwire it it's it's, it's kind of stuck like that so so for me the, the great thing this time around has been around just getting that acceptance that moderation isn't going to work if i go back to drinking i'm probably going to be in a negative spiral again so actually if my new life has to be without drinking then let's make it as good as possible let's let's try and find a way to make that fulfilling and happy and positive and good and, and not sit there being miserable about it yeah which at times i have been in the past that's what's driven me back to it i thought well maybe i don't want to live a life without alcohol if i'm sat here being miserable about it um so it's just about you know you've got to change your mindset and find some positivity in this and there is a lot of positivity from it i mean my health is really much improved at the moment um and um that's all because i've got a health lifestyle yeah. you know i'm doing more exercise eating better not drinking is great and i think you know that tendency towards focusing on the negative feeling deprived what we're missing out on is is a real tough one to crack so it, ta it takes effort doesn't it to pick out positives but it really works i think in if you can if you can focus on what you're getting out of it and how yeah you know all of the gains that's a that's a massive help in and in, in challenging that tendency to feeling you're missing out which of course you're not you're missing out on all the horrible stuff there's nothing else that you're missing out on other than a struggle and anxiety and insomnia and all that yeah exactly stuff. and also i think um society's kind of picking up on this now because there are more alcohol-free alternatives when you're out you know you can get alcohol-free beers that are actually quite good now mocktails things like that so you can in a social setting still have a drink in your hand it's not got any alcohol in it and you know it's it's just as good you're still still being social and having a good time yeah and it's becoming more normal in sort of social conversations and settings i think to just say i'm not drinking for health yeah. reasons and, you know maybe 15 years ago people would have been either on antibiotics or driving or pregnant and that was pretty much your ex or an alcoholic yeah yeah <laughs> but i think there's you know 15 years ago there was a perception that anyone that isn't drinking is going to be miserable you know they're going to have a miserable life and that's why most people didn't want to choose that avenue so they, they had, there was this assumption that if you're not drinking you you must have a problem whereas i think now there's a lot of more certainly in a younger generation 
a lot of them are embracing it as a lifestyle choice, which is positive, and it's it's seen as much more as a positive thing. Um, there may be multiple reasons why you're not drinking. It may be just a preference. It may be health reasons. It may be you're on some medication, um, or you just don't like it. You know, I mean, my wife's never drank really, and because she, she doesn't like it, and you know that's just her normal way of being. And um, and she probably has a different perspective, or or sort of perspective on what other people think of her not drinking because it's never been an issue to her it's never bothered her I'm, I mean what does does she ever have any fears or concerns that other people might judge her for that or does she no just... no not at all like th I think over the years occasionally she said she's been conscious that other people have been uncomfortable about her not drinking because I think if you're not drinking as well sometimes that can hold a mirror up to somebody who is and maybe you know in their own private time they're concerned about their drinking and if they're hanging out with someone that's choosing not to drink, it, it does kind of put a mirror into your own situation, which can make some people uncomfortable. Yeah, and that issue is more pronounced for people who have drunk heavily, I think, because yeah. us as ex-heavy drinkers have been tending towards making friends and socialising with other heavy drinkers. So when you stop drinking, you find yourself a lot of heavy drinking friends. Whereas if you never drunk, you probably don't have a lot of heavy yeah. drinking friends. So there's there's that issue there that can and that is another reason going back to the conversation of, of relapse that is another huge reason why people relapse isn't it that peer pressure oh definitely i've experienced that I've, I've gone to social events in the past where i've been sober and fallen over because i just couldn't stand the pressure of not fitting in and thought i'll just i'll just have a beer just for tonight and then i'll get back you know to my normal program tomorrow and then found the next day I was drinking again. So it's 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 a thing to kind of work out, work ahead of time really, and try and plan because these things can trip you up if you're not careful. And would you? Where do you stand on sort of in terms of advice? Where do you stand on not on sort of avoiding situations where you feel as if you might be overwhelmed with temptation? Do you think it's better to get yourself out there and experience things without alcohol and get used to it, or would you say it's important to protect? Your sobriety if you can do this really yeah I, I i'm in the camp of trying to protect it in the early days as much as possible i think we're in the situation where you do feel quite strong about it and you're happy to be open about the fact you're not drinking and not making an issue of it and you've planned ahead and thought about how you're going to defend yourself against you know a, a drinking situation i think that's fine but i think in the early days it's I mean, for me, anyway, this is just from my perspective. I felt really vulnerable. I didn't want to go near a pub. I didn't want to see anyone, you know, I even switched my social media off because you go on social media on Facebook and you see all these images of people enjoying a glass of wine or whatever. I just didn't want to see that. I just wanted to switch it off. Um, so in the first few weeks, that's what I needed to do. Um, I mean, I can go into, I went to a pub recently to meet some people and they were drinking normal beers and I just ordered an alcohol-free beer and it was fine I didn't feel any didn't feel like I was missing out at all um and it felt absolutely fine but in the earlier days I would have been really vulnerable about right now yeah I'm I'm with you on that one I just I hid away quite a lot in the first few months and wouldn't I didn't feel as if I could put myself in that situation um so before we finish a bit of advice for people if they're worried about relapse at any point on their sober journey what would your advice be to somebody who might be a few weeks sober and worried that they might lose that motivation and fall off the wagon at some point what would you say to them um just plan ahead and think about it because um 
and for me all of my relapses have been built up obviously i can look back and see my brain was kind of pushing myself to that point of view so just be careful when you know when you're aware of those thoughts that come up and say well you're okay now you know just listen to them and and react to them and push back on them a little bit internally and say in your mind well no it's not okay because i can remember how it was and you've got to have this internal dialogue and play it out um and um just remember how bad things really were at the beginning i mean one thing that helped me um right at the start is when i was on my sort of six-week intensive thing is um i know not everyone's into aa in the 12 steps but i did the first three steps of the 12 steps and for me step one was brilliant because it just what i did as part of that process is i just wrote down how bad things had been at the start so if i ever felt like you know drinking again it was something i could go back and refer to i could pick it out and read it and say well you know these are the reasons why i wanted to start because this specific thing happened that specific thing happened and all this bad stuff it just kept it fresh so i didn't really have any excuse i couldn't kid myself because we always have that reminder of how bad things were at the beginning just remind um, us what those three steps are of the 12 steps the first can you remember um, <laughs> yeah you'll have to give me a minute to pull them up because um is it the, is it the first one's powerless isn't it i think yeah I so powerless against yeah it's, i guess the first one is powerlessness mm-hmm. step one for me is the most important one it's it's about admitting your powerlessness and that your life's unmanageable which sounds pretty heavy um but the reality was that you know things weren't great for me and i needed to fix them but the thing about powerlessness is i can say right at the start powerless over alcohol because I couldn't stop drinking and I wanted to. That was my powerlessness. But, you know, four months down the line, I feel completely powerful over alcohol now because I've got a choice about whether I drink or not and I choose not to. You know, as long as I don't have a drink, I've got all the power in the world over my drinking and over alcohol. Powerlessness for me was really important at the start. Whereas now I feel in a very strong position because I've built that time of that bank of time, which really defends me against, you know, drinking in in quite a big way. So it's almost like I feel like I got my power back now, which is great. Um, this is around looking for a power greater than yourself to restore you to sanity, which again sounds really heavy. But again, the power greater than myself was really the, the connections with the people that I found in early sobriety those people were sort of they had my back and we had a whatsapp chat going on and we were talking every day on zoom and it just that group thing really was my higher power um and then step three is this is where it gets really heavy it talks about turning your will and lives over to the care of god as we understand it which is sounds sort of quasi-religious and it probably was at the time but but it's just about getting comfortable with the fact you're not in control of your drinking and you need to the higher power to kind of drag you out of the hole that you're in and again for me my higher power is always the people that i'm meeting you know the, the fellow sisters the people that i you know are in my whatsapp group the people i meet in zoom meetings and i go to face-to-face meetings as well i think of them like my sober tribe that sober tribe is what keeps me you know in a stronger position than i would do if i was doing it on my own so i need things like sober sisters i need my sort of sober tribe to keep me going um if i don't do that i'll forget how bad things were i'm always at risk of relapse again so um keeping those connections keeping those memories fresh as much as you can about how bad things were that's really important for relapse prevention i think 
Yeah, well, that's fantastic advice there. Thank you so much for that. And I think um, I think those three steps, you know, if we if we sort of interpret them in a way that works for us, there's an awful lot of sense in there, isn't there? It's about that, that finding something bigger than you. Yeah. Uh, and definitely realising that you can't control alcohol once you start drinking it, which is the, you know, yeah. the important takeaway, I guess, from this podcast. It's that first drink, isn't it, that means you lose yeah. that. And, yeah, and I think the other thing for me is, you know, making sure you're not doing it on your own. You don't have to do it on your own. There's a whole tribe of people out there that want to help. And once you plug into it, you can get a lot of strength from it. That's I was really important. Say, there's a lot of philosophy. It, there's maybe the, 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 the belief at the outset might be that it's weak to ask for help, but it's really the opposite, isn't it? And once you do reach out for help, you feel so much stronger and so much better able to cope with everything life throws at you if you know you've got that. that Definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Gentle Giant, for joining us in Soberistas podcast today. And um, and thank you for all your advice and your your insights into relapse. And I'm sure that will help lots of people listening. So thank you again and hope you have a good evening. And thank you to everybody listening to our podcast today. Mm-hmm.